Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right, welcome in, everybody, to Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster here with you on a Reaction Monday. We have all kinds of things to react to. We've got an NFL weekend, including the Kansas City Chiefs, that we'll make our way through. Uh, we will make our way through some college hoops, all three teams in action, of varying degrees and in interest this weekend, uh, depending on if you're a Wichita State, K-State, or KU fan. We'll have it all for you. We'll have Shreya Lotta, our KU insider, to help us with the Jayhawks against Indiana and looking ahead to that bowl game. That's coming up top of the next hour. Uh, Welcome in. Jad Chambers producing. Again, I'm Jacob Albrock alongside Tommy Caster. That IHOP hotline is open, 869-1240 for you. If you want to get in touch with the program, we'll have lots of giveaways today. We've got the Turnpike Troubadours coming to Interest Bank Arena. We will send two people to that show. Uh, We will give away some delicious food from Riverside Cafe and Derby, uh, and we will give away some coffee from HTO. Glad to be here with you. Tommy, how are you this morning? I'm good. Busy weekend. Uh, You know, got out and about this weekend, and man, I'll tell you what, it definitely felt like the last full weekend before Christmas. The mall was crazy busy. Traffic was through the roof. Like, it was busy out there this weekend in Wichita. Yeah, I don't even, I don't even know what day it is. We've got, you know, we're, we're doing some very uh, uh, earth-shattering in our world changes and things happening at the HTO stores at the end of this week, and it's a it's a holiday promo where we we give a special deal on gallons, and so that's crazy. And then we got the kids, and then we've got you know two kids in one school and one in the other, and they have different breaks and trying to figure that out. I don't even like I haven't shopped for anything yet, uh, which is not atypical for me. Uh, and I have a couple of things, but 
I, I think you and I were talking off the air at the at the dad's participation and gifts part. And, you know, I'll get a guilt trip. There's no question I'll get a guilt trip uh, later this week. I'm, well, what you know, what have you gotten? And I'm like, well, I don't have a chance anymore. Like, I don't even have a chance to get anything. We have packages on the front porch like every day. I hope porch pirates aren't listening here. But like, it's crazy. Like, I don't even have a like. I don't. Even, what What do we need to get? Like, you now that people now that you know people can just order from their phones, just like fire it off. There isn't really like this Christmas shopping experience. Like when I was growing up, and we'd go to the mall, and Dad would give us each like fifty bucks, and was like, "Go get go get your presents for everybody else." Now, like, I don't even know what's left. Everything just comes every day, you know, because people are shopping on their phone. That's why I, I was hate so it. Cute. By the way, I, I hate that. Well, that's why I was so confused. It was on Saturday. We went uh, we went to dinner, um, and we went to one of the restaurants over by Town East. And I was so confused about why it was so busy because, you know, in a day where people are ordering everything online, and I don't know, like there might be traditional people out there that actually want to go and do yeah, the shopping. It's fun. But, man, like the traffic in and out of the mall, I mean, it was backed up forever on Saturday evening, and – I just thought, man, like I'm an Amazon guy. Like, let me just order these oh, gifts God. online. Please. And no. then I, I have. Yeah, I have so much hope for society that I see them all crowded. I'm so happy for that I, because I have driven by and like, you know, getting in and out of there's a mess. Look, uh, not to go soapbox here, but unless you all want to work in an Amazon factory someday. Like let's let's uh, break out of the of the routine of like living our lives through Prime Day and Black Friday cyber whatever things that they've created and somehow infuse people in our newsroom are so sick of me because I I just sit there and like go on these rants like can we not run another story about what special shopping day it is for Amazon like why are we letting them have that commercial for free and they've like infiltrated every aspect of society and don't think that this isn't you know like a, a total like calculated effort by them because it 100 percent is but like we, we don't need to live our lives through whatever like special day amazon throws out there it's, it's not good for society like let's get out there let's you know help the brick and mortars and do all these things it drives me crazy but another i don't i haven't shopped for of, anything uh, another example of old man yelling at clouds on a Monday morning. i know morning. I, well, maybe not because the mall's crowded, and that's you know that's a good sign for society. Again, if you want to work at an Amazon factory someday, good for you. Go for it. Continue to give all your money to Amazon. Uh, all right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about football. So we've got all kinds of stuff to break down today. Um, we'll start with the Chiefs because the Chiefs have been the most topical. Certainly, it had it had been a rough stretch. I think in a lot of ways. Yesterday was exactly what you wanted to see, or that, that which isn't totally true because, of course, you had receivers still making bonehead plays, and you know one of the interceptions off Tony's hands. You're just like, I, look, at some point, it is what this team is. But on the on the flip side of that, in a game where you don't have Isaiah Pacheco, so you're probably not going to run the ball very well, which they did not against a defense that traditionally has been really good against them and especially good against the past this year. I thought Mahomes looked really good. You know, one of those interceptions was not him. So he looked good. Uh, Rashi Rice looked really good. I, I thought the running backs being involved in the passing game was really good because, look, the receivers, if they're not going to give it to you outside of Rice, you got Jarek McKinnon. 
And Clyde Edward, Clyde Edwards Hilaire isn't a bad receiver. Jarek McKinnon's a weapon. So maybe that's where they turn. And, you know, Noah Gray was up there. Travis Kelsey was taken out of the game, which we knew he would be. The Patriots always do that. But they still found a way for Mahomes to throw for 300 yards, Tommy, without Kelsey being much of a factor. And then the defense, I thought, turned around and and got back to what it had been doing all year long. It was a 10-point win. I mean, they covered their number. I think without Isaiah Pacheco, that's, that's that's exactly what we needed to see out of Kansas City. Yeah, the Patriots aren't good. I mean, we need to remember that. No, right? they just, they're, they, not, they're not, but they beat them by 10 team. points. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it very easily could have been a much bigger blowout. If Kadarius yeah. Tony had to bobble that football and caused an interception, then we could have been talking about a 17-point win or a 20-point win or something like that for Kansas City. I think that it's obvious that Rishi Rice is wide receiver number one. Uh, and just you look at the the snap count. I mean, he oh, played yeah. like 70% of the snaps in the game. Uh, clearly, that's where the Chiefs are looking to lean on. And he's really responded to that in the last four or five weeks, has looked really good and has looked the part of being that wide receiver one. He's basically got to be the only guy really outside of Travis Kelsey that's actually legitimately running routes that Patrick Mahomes has a level of trust in. Maybe Justin Watson, to an extent, he was the only yeah. other receiver that had more than 60% of the snaps that he was a part of on But he on only the had field. one so, catch. I, I feel yeah. like what we saw out of Watson is what we I'm need to see out of Watson, which amount, is like a shot I'm talking play. about the, right, amount, right, right, the, yeah. the amount of time he's on the field. Uh, you know, it's really him and Rasheed Rice at wide receiver. But, you know, I think that if you are power ranking the quote-unquote receivers on this team, obviously Travis Kelsey, Rasheed Rice— and then probably Clyde Edwards Elair and Jarek McKinnon are right after or that. Or insert you know? running back here, right? Exactly, yeah, I, right. And, and and it worked out. You know, Clyde Edwards Elair, I thought, had a really solid game. I thought he looked really good. He was fine. Especially in pass catching. And that's why, if you think back to when he was drafted in the first round, that's a big reason why he was drafted yes. in the first round. Not necessarily just his running ability, but the opportunity for him to catch passes out of the backfield. That's what he did in college. And so... That's, I think, you know, it was nice to see him be more involved in the passing game that way. And keep in mind, even without Travis Kelsey, like you mentioned, Patrick Mahomes threw for over 300 yards. That was the first time since the game against the Chargers back in October that Patrick Mahomes has thrown for over 300 yards in a game. So, you know, I thought that overall the passing game looked better. I don't know what more Andy Reid has to see to take Kadarius Toney off the field. I really, I honestly don't know. Uh, I don't know what more Andy Reid needs to see to take Sky Moore off the field. I know he exited with an injury, but both of those guys are, it's not just that they're not getting involved, it's that they're actively hurting the team when they are on the field, right? Both of them are. And that's the thing about Marquez Valdez-Scantling yesterday, is that he really wasn't involved a whole lot, but he wasn't actively hurting the team. Tony and Moore were. And so I don't know what more you need to see to keep them on the field. MVS hurts the team all the time. He's hurt them a million times by not catching balls he should catch, making the wrong. The thing about I'm just Tony and about I think yesterday. Oh yeah, it, well yeah, that's that's fine. I think, but you asked the question, why do we? What more needs to happen with Tony? I think Travis Kelsey, in his podcast last, which I was on the road for and I listened to for the first time, but I think his his description of Tony and the offense in general. It's what they've and, – and look, this is – everybody's been enamored with Tony's ability after the catch. And I think – and he said – After and, the and catch. Kelsey, 
Right. He's got to be able to catch it. <laughs> and Kelsey said, and well, that's why they're they're only designing him little gadget plays for the most part, right? But Kelsey's description was you put on the film and you know that he's one of the most talented players on the field. And I think that's why they keep going to it is they just keep hoping that it will click. I mean, who knows if they eventually say enough is enough. I don't know the answer to that. I do know, though, that, that again, it was also against one of the better pass defenses in football yesterday in the Patriots. Say what you will, but they still do that well. I, I think that for what we're going to see is how many targets did Tony have yesterday? Three? Um, four. I, I would imagine that we won't see more than three or four-ish targets a game for him, most of which will be on plays where he will have to try very hard to make a mistake like he did yesterday. I understand that. But I think what we will – look, here's what's crazy. And and I don't – like, I'm not trying to, to – to, you, you people that listen to this know how I feel about Travis Kelsey and what he still is as a player. Rasheed Rice is probably going to become the – and need to be, quite frankly, the top option in this pass game. I think he has developed enough to do that. I think that we're seeing continual improvement from him and the fewest mistakes of the mistakes made. He's had some fumble issues. But look, nine catches on nine targets yesterday. Those are the kinds of things we're used to seeing from Travis Kelsey. And so if, you know, and, and look, the Patriots are going to take Kelsey away. They've Like historically, they've done that. Like if you played fantasy football yesterday, Kelsey was like a sit option because of what New England, when they play Kansas City, they're going to take Kelsey away. But if Rice can take that over, then, look, one, if teams are going to let Rice continue to do this and, and focus in on Kelsey, good luck. That's probably not the best way to do it. But the second Rice starts to command more attention, that frees up Kelsey a little bit. Really, I think, Tommy, that's all they need because we're going to see McKinnon and Pacheco and Clyde Edwards, or whatever combination of that they are. Mahomes is going to keep feeding them the ball because they make far fewer mistakes as receivers than the receivers do. So now you've got option 1A and 1B with Rice and Kelsey, and option three are these backs. That's all you need. Everybody else, they need to catch like three balls a game. And and I don't mind, you know, continuing to try to put Tony in a position to run after the catch. Like at some point that runs out, and maybe that play this week was that point. But, I, you know, hearing Hall of Fame players talk about how gifted he is with the ball in his hands, I'm going to defer to them that the risk is worth it. Just I don't if, think if it that's, is. I mean, the, ball, the ball's well, not in his I, hands. That's the problem, He's right? got to be able to get it in. But they can still look, do, you know, jet look. sweeps. The, the, the stuff they used to do with McCole Hardman, you know, back in the day. Like, just get it. Just do low-risk things to get the ball in his hands and let him try to make a play. And honestly, Tommy, that might just be as like a punt returner, which is where I think he's the yeah. most dangerous. But it, all things considered, it's ex- and again, I get it. It's New England. But New England just housed Pittsburgh a week ago. I think all things considered, we 300 yards out of the pass game against that defense, is that's, that's fantastic. I am not even really that mad at Kadarius Toney anymore. I feel bad for the guy because he's clearly in his head. You know, he's clearly yeah. like dealing with it, you know, and, and, and that's it's at some point like he's just basically beating himself. So I'm not even that mad at him anymore. I was mad at him last week after the offsides. I'm not mad at him anymore. What I'm mad about Andy Reid, Matt Nagy, the offense, like continuing to allow him opportunities 
because he's not right out there. And I understand that he's gifted. I understand that he is this talented athlete and all of that. But there's some kind of disconnect that is not allowing him to execute the way that he is supposed to. And I understand Andy Reid is continuously going back to the guy who made a mistake right after he made that mistake. But eventually you have to stop going to that guy because he's hurting the team. You know, when that happened, when he bobbled that ball and it was picked off by New England, at that point it was a ball game again when it shouldn't have been a ball game. You know, Kansas City, from a talent perspective, head and shoulders above New England. And it it was, again, and we talked about it. We sound like broken records. We talked about the self-inflicted mistakes and the ways that this team shoots themselves in the foot. And it's one thing when you're playing New England. It's another thing when you're in the playoffs and you're playing a team like the Ravens or you're playing a team like the Bills or you're playing one of these top teams in the conference or, I mean, by all means, the Super Bowl, perhaps. And do you really trust Kadarius Toney to not make a mistake that could ultimately end up costing your team a game? That's the big question. And I know they want him to work it out because, remember, he did have a great punt return last year in the Super Bowl. But this is a different Kadarius Toney than well, it is, I, you know, than So it that's was last the problem. Year. They don't they, – they may not win a Super Bowl last year without him. And I think they don't forget that. And I think they – remember that that could be the case in the playoffs this year where his ability could be the game-changing play. And so they they feel like the risk-reward there is high. And I'll, and I'll be honest, probably we're not going to see it stop now because the Chiefs finished the year with the Raiders and the Chargers in two of the three games. The Bengals have proved very formidable uh, in the meantime. But when you have those opponents, when you feel like you have a chance to win those games anyway, I think that they see the upside is too high to turn away. Like, And I'll give you another example. What upside would, is there? I, well, we saw in the Super Bowl last year. That's the upside. I, okay, a year ago. We saw a punt return. I, I know. It, right? I, I get it. I, he, two plays. He had two, two big plays late. I, I think that when you look at Tony, he, I would much rather – see them take chances and risks in trying to get Kadarius Tony right than trying to do something with Marquez Valdez. But how Scantling. many more times do you have to, to I, see I don't know it? the you know answer what I mean? to that. Like, I, I, don't know. I don't know the record. answer to that. And, and I'm, done, I'm done making excuses for it. I'm done saying, well, it's a Nobody's pretty formidable ever made pass an excuse. defense. Nobody's uh, ever made like, an excuse for him. He's been bad objectively. Like he's he's yeah. making terrible mistakes. Totally. No, that I'm are saying they can afford the team. risks. I'm saying they can afford the risks based on the opponents. I don't know opponents. if they can this year. I don't know if they can. Well, th- the three losses in a row, they say they can't. But I, my, what I'm saying is, I would if they're going to have to take a chance with somebody on certain plays, I'd rather it be him than Marquez Valdez Gantling. I'd rather it be him than Sky Moore at this point. I would rather it be him to see if you can't get him right. Than can't there be an option where it's none of them? Like, can't there be? An well, option I don't know me? because look, look, I don't know. Uh, we just that's talked a, about that's it. That's a great Rishi question. Rishi Rice, Travis Kelsey, the running backs. I, at that maybe point, it's enough. Maybe that's it. Like, I, I don't think that you necessarily need to keep trotting out MVS and Tony and yeah, Sky Moore depending know. on his injury. I don't necessarily I don't think you need to, to do that. Because you've got these other options that have, you know, we, we talked for weeks about who's the wide receiver that's going to raise his hand. It's clearly Rishi Rice, right? Well, yeah. And defenses are going to know that they're going to adjust to that. And you've got to find other options and, you know, opportunities out there. But I remember us saying, even before the season started, we had 
multiple conversations, you were very concerned, I remember, about the depth in the running back room, right? About how, you know, if Isaiah Pacheco can't stay healthy, it's McKinnon and it's Clyde edwards Lair, and then and then who else, right? And here we are with Pacheco on the shelf for right now. And I thought McKinnon and Clyde edwards Lair looked pretty good yesterday, right? They did, so, but, the, but the concern is now that McKinnon's also a very injury-prone player. So you've got now you've got a chance. Like that's what I mean with Pacheco. It's not that I didn't think those guys were qualified backups. It's like he's out, and and we're we're banking what, on the health of I'm McKinnon, saying, who gets hurt. What I'm time. saying is that we've got McKinnon and Ceh that both I think stepped up in in good ways yesterday, and it, you know assuming that Pacheco returns here in the next week or two, you know then you've got. Rishi Rice, Travis Kelsey, and potentially the three running backs, you know, that you can work in to the passing game in different ways. And so, you know, I just don't, I don't know if you have to continue to trot out any of those aforementioned guys, MVS, Tony, or more, because they are actively costing you. They are actively hurting you when they're on the field. So sit them, don't play them. And I think you've got enough weapons, you know, to be able to make some good things happen without them. So, uh, here, here's an example, and, and again, the question of is it enough without having to use the other guys, I, I think that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that, but I'll give you an example of where you could look. So the 49ers, one of the best offenses in football, and and they're top-heavy, right? They're, they lost games when Debo Samuel was out, right? But look, their, their target share, they only, only three guys saw anything yesterday in their big win over Arizona in a game where they scored 45 points only three players who who shared five targets two of those were you know Kyle Juszczyk but McCaffrey Kittle Samuel Ayuk they have everything that's four options though so if you took the Chiefs backs and that's one and then Kelsey and Rice are two three even even the Niners who are that top heavy still do have another option in there so if we're looking to those top heavies, and that's the example, they do kind of need something else, I think. And I and I think that may give us an answer to the question we don't know how to answer, right? Is can they just ignore those other players? I don't think they can quite ignore them. I think they have to utilize them just a little bit. Who does it? I don't I know. I don't think you do. I don't think you have to. I, I honestly don't. I think if you were to pull the fan base... In general, I, I'm not said, talking. I don't care what the fan base thinks. I care about the X's and O's of football. To, I'm saying if you were to, to pull them, would you rather have the potentially tantalizing athletic ability of Kadarius Tony on the field in exchange for him potentially giving the ball to the other team I, almost I every single time he touches it? You'd rather have That's him on the bench. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying pull the fans. Of course the fans don't want him touching the ball. I'm trying to figure out the reality of how the Chiefs are able to run an offense. If we can find a team, need them. You okay, don't give me need an them. example of one team that can rely on only three primary pass catchers, and it may be there. I, I I looked at San Francisco. San Francisco has four, and they're, I think, considered the most top-heavy offense in football. I don't know that there is a team in football that's operated with only three primary pass-catching targets. I don't. Maybe there is one. I don't think there is, and I think that has something to do with why we're seeing them continue to try to find this because otherwise it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense why they're trying to do it right let's take a quick break we can continue the conversation on the other side ihop hotlines open 869-1240 on the way out jad let's give something away let's start with uh let's start with that 
A great meal from Riverside Cafe in Derby, courtesy of us here at Sports Daily. You can call us on that IHOP hotline right now for your chance to win a $25 gift certificate to Riverside Cafe. This is the Derby location at 824 North Baltimore Avenue. Good luck, everybody. 869-1240. Jad will get us a winner. We'll come back. All right, welcome in, everybody. Welcome back in to Sports Daily. It's all Brockton's caster. Jad's got some audio chopped us chopped up for us on the Chiefs. We'll continue our conversation there. Um, let's go, Jad. I, I don't know which one. Let's let's start with Mitch Holthus on a little fake out, a little Chiefs trickeration. Kind of felt old school here. Uh, let's start there. Uh, Jad's got it for Mitch Holthus on the call. Reed Humphrey hovers over the football. The former Patriot Joe Tooney. And now the Chiefs are going to go inside with a handoff to Rice. Touchdown! Kansas City. Andy Reid has just brought the single wing back to the National Football League. I almost think Joe Tooney snapped that ball on a direct snap to McKinnon, who handed it off to Mahomes, who handed it off to Rice. The single wing is back. Oh, there you go. So the Chiefs feeling it yesterday, and then we'll we'll play a one more here. Uh, let's go with the sack number four on the day because we haven't talked about the defense yet, and we will. Uh, but the defense showing up big again, looking like their old selves yesterday. Second and six for Bailey Zappi and the New England Patriots. Elliott stays in. Zappi's under center. He's got Hunter Henry tucked in as a tight slot. He'll stay in the block. Zappi's in trouble. Ball's out, but recovered by his lineman. I'm telling you, Drew Tranquil is having some fun. He had a sack earlier in this game. He was able to nearly get the ball out. He and Menahu were coming along with Karloftis and relentless. It's a sack and a loss back to the 22-yard line and almost a lost fumble by New England. So I, I think, Tommy, we can – we can put a button on yesterday in the point we we're trying to make right up against the break, or at least I was, I, I don't think that I I'm not saying I want to see continuous opportunities for the players that keep making mistakes. I'm saying I'm not convinced that you don't have to, because I'm not convinced that rice Kelsey and the running backs are enough in the offense. And if they're not like, if they feel like they still need another option, then I think of all of the options that are there, it makes sense to me based on the way that the coaches and players talk that it's Tony and not MVS or Sky Moore because neither one of the the latter there offer the upside at least. I mean, MVS has made mistakes that bother me far more. Well, equal. I'll call them equal. And Sky Moore just can't ever do anything to be open enough, I think, to get the ball. So I don't even know what to think. I mean, Sky I Moore know what... would have had a fumble had it not been called back for a penalty in the game, right? I, I, yeah. Like, so all three of them, all three of them are. Like, I, I think that, like, we're we're splitting hairs here and talking about which one we would rather well, have. Well, you are None splitting of them. hairs. <clears throat> None no, of I them. know, I know. But, but, Tommy, I think that at least I will sit here and admit, like, I am not, I am not, the level of analyst to study football to say it's enough for the Chiefs to have, have only to those other three. You don't have to be a level of analyst to be able to assess this situation and know it's not working for any one of them. So they need to not be on the field. And I think so that what, there are some. What's the other? They have to be throw, on the field. Who else is no, going to be don't. on the field? Th- throw some. Throw some more snaps to Richie James. Throw some more snaps to Justin Watson. Put Justin well, Watson made on his the field. fair share of mistakes too. I'm telling you right now, like I would rather have, <clears throat> I'd rather have any one of those guys 
get additional snaps. They don't even need to be targeted necessarily. Well, they but have I'd rather to be targeted have those guys. It doesn't do you any good. I, I'll, I'll give you Richie James. Richie James is interesting. I, I would I would like to see Richie James have an expanded role. I, I agree on that. I don't know what to make of Justin Ross. Gosh, is he I even, sure like, am glad you're not healthy? calling the plays on this team. I'm 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 glad you're not like willing to be the what one. What do you to think I'm trying to say? I, I think you're absolutely that you want Kadarius try- Tony on the on the field. No, I never Kadarius- said I. I'm not saying I want him on the field. I'm trying to understand why he is on the field. I'm not saying I want him on the field. I'm saying if you're giving me Tony or MVS or Sky Moore, I'd rather have Tony than the other two of those guys. I don't think Justin Watson is good enough, but he's made his mistakes too. Richie James is interesting. I don't know. I'm trying to understand why it is that the Chiefs continue to go down that road. That's what I'm trying to understand. I'm not saying that's what I would do. I'm saying I don't understand that level of football to say how important is a fourth option in any given play to what it is the Chiefs need to do overall. Because whatever that person is or whomever it is, is going to be the fourth option. We're we're learning that real time. It's going to be Rice, it's going to be Kelsey, and it's going to be the running backs. Can can Jarek McKinnon just play receiver, right? Like, I, I, I'm just trying to understand how much they have to have that fourth option to operate as an offense. If the four, and, and I don't know, I'm trying to, and I, I'm racking my brain. Like, I can't think of another example of a really good team that's, that's very top-heavy like that on off. I think San Francisco is the closest to it, but they still have to have four. And that's as you know, and that's a that's a team that really relies on the run, and they have to have four. So I don't. I'm trying to understand why it is that the Chiefs keep doing that, and if they are going to have to keep doing that, then I understand why it would be Tony over MVS or Tony over Sky Moore, whether they need to or not. I don't know, and and I don't know why else they would keep going back to it unless they sit there and say, we've got to have a fourth option in our offense. I just they don't keep know. Going, no, no, no. They keep going back to it because Andy Reid is notorious for giving more opportunities to the guy that screwed up. That's what he does. I don't think this is in week 15 of the regular season. They're thinking, well, we've got to have a fourth option, so let's continue to try. I think that it's just like, look, Kadarius Tony screwed up. Let's put him back out on the field, see if he can get right. Sky Moore screwed up. Let's get him back out on the field and see if he can get right. But eventually, you have to stop giving him opportunities. And eventually, wouldn't you rather run the offense three top pass catchers thinking that, okay, well, like F3, we're going to be hamstrung a little bit, but at least we're not giving the ball up. At least we're not making massive mistakes with our fourth, fifth, and sixth option. Like, I'd rather do that than continually going back to the well with guys that have given you no reason whatsoever this season. I don't care what they did in the Super Bowl. I don't care that Kadarius Tony had two great plays in the Super Bowl. That's great. Congratulations. Thank you for helping us a year ago. I don't care about that anymore. Same thing with Sky Moore. Like, there's no need to continually go back to the well over and over and over again when they have given you no reason to keep giving them the ball. You, they, they haven't. Like, if we could point out any moment at all this season where you look at any one of those three guys and think, wow, well, that was a great-looking play, I'd love to hear it because I haven't seen it at all. So there's no need to keep going back to the well. Not, so like, Phil- not at all. Philadelphia is a team that's been very top-heavy but it's been with four 
uh, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard when he's been healthy, and DeAndre Swift. Um, I, I just, I, I again, like, I, I, I think that the Chiefs would probably like to say, let's just never have to use those guys again. Let's go to the phone lines. Justin is on the line, wants to join in on the Chiefs discussion. Justin, happy Monday. What's up, man? I'm doing good. Doing good. Well, to hear you talk, Tommy, are you a Bronco fan? <laughs> uh, <because laughs> I'm not a Broncos I, you, fan. Uh, you're not a Chiefs fan, I don't think. Um, but uh, you know, to hear you talk, you'd think they were five and nine and not nine and five. I mean, they're nine and five in first place. And if they show, show up a few mistakes, I mean, they're going to be making a run again to the Super Bowl. But how many weeks, I mean, Ju- Justin? 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 How many? How many weeks do we have to go through the conversation of? If they shore up these mistakes, if they don't, they're making the mistakes. They're not, it's not changing. The team is who they are. Like they're nine and five and that's great. And I think that they have the talent in place. You've got Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. You obviously have the talent in place to make a deep run, but I'm done having this conversation of if they just don't make these mistakes. No, they're making the mistakes and they're not going to stop Tommy, making the Tommy, mistakes. You're, you're, they are who they thought they were. Sort of, you have this sort of narrow focus on, a few drops by the receivers, but you're not looking at the totality of the team. Drops that cost this team actual wins. The drops and the penalties have legitimately cost this team wins. They do have a great defense. And you know what? They played really, really well yesterday. They had four sacks. They turned over Bailey Zappi. They had a really good defensive outing. They absolutely did. Well, hang on now, Justin, let me, let me jump in. I guess let's, Let's 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 take a pause there. I think there are two different things available to discuss. Are the Chiefs good enough to do it? And are what what in the moment do they have to get better at are both can exist? Yes, the defense is great. Yes, they can win a Super Bowl. Yes, these wide receivers continue to make potentially fatal mistakes. They weren't fatal yesterday because they were playing the Patriots, but they'd been fatal a few weeks before. And 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 look, I've been the biggest advocate of let's not freak out. They're going to be fine. They just got to get there. But at the same time, in the postseason, the things that we see every week can be fatal to your season. So I think both discussions can happen. I don't I don't think it has anything to do with like counting the Chiefs out and 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 look, Chiefs fans have become spoiled. And I don't mean that as an offense to Chiefs fans. Tommy is a Chiefs fan, by the way, Justin. I, I think okay. that but over over time, you get spoiled with perfection. When that never happens in the NFL anywhere else, you, you know why we haven't had a repeat champion in a long time, let alone ever a three-time-in-a-row champion? Because it's really hard. So, like, I think there has been a spoiled nature to, like, any mistakes that are made. It's like, oh, my God, they like, what is happening? When in reality, that's just NFL football. So they have this thing that they cannot solve, that they have not been able to solve this year. And at the same time, they're still good enough to win a Super Bowl. Both things can exist at the same time. And I think I think we keep – we don't what, – what doesn't need to happen in this – in this fan base or anything else, it's not like this. You're either with us or against us. I don't think that that's right at all. It's they're good enough to win one. So how do they overcome this very clear and obvious flaw on the roster to get there? And that's the discussion that everybody's having. If you don't think the chiefs are frustrated with it, 
Look at Mahomes on the sidelines yesterday after the Tony interception. Look at the look at last week how clearly frustrated they are, and it spilled over. Like they're frustrated the too. Team that played well against the Patriots defense. There's not been one team. I mean, the Chargers scored six points against them. Uh, the Colts scored ten. You know, so the Chiefs should have th- scored thirty-four. I mean, they they knelt down. They, the obvious touchdown there. So I, I don't think it's as bad as you guys are saying. I understand that there are some problems, but. I would just like the discussion to be more about the totality rather than fixating on these problems because it seems – I don't know what it is. It just seems strange. Well, we we started – I don't know if you tuned in late, Justin, but we started the conversation to say that was just about as good as you could ever want to see the Chiefs bounce back with. So we abs- – I mean I, – and you could have tuned in halfway through that, and we appreciate the call, Justin. Always appreciate the call to the IOP hotline. We, we began our Chiefs discussion in totality with that's exactly what we needed to see out of the Chiefs yesterday that you know it was it was a great defensive performance Mahomes still you know, had 300 yards without yeah. Pacheco there by the way which I think makes it even harder to have that kind of passing performance and yes it is one of the top pass defenses in football I agree um, they've had plenty of games though where they've laid eggs Miami scored 31 on them the Raiders 21 uh, Buffalo 25 New Orleans 34 Dallas 38 so they've had some they've had their moments Philadelphia 25 Miami 24 they are a good defense I think it was I think it was almost perfect for what we needed to see with the Chiefs yesterday almost and so I'm I'm optimistic and that's what I thought would happen I think the Chiefs are going to go on a run here I said this last week and they're going to not have home field and then it becomes a question of probably at this point can they go to Baltimore and win let's continue let's talk about the defense oh go ahead Tony I want to get the last word in here really quickly so I think this team, I want this team to win a Super Bowl. I think that they have the talent in totality, as you mentioned, Justin, to win a championship. My issue with it is that they have a clear and glaring issue in the wide receiver room that has not gone away the entire season. In fact, in some cases, it's gotten worse. That could absolutely be the reason that keeps them from winning a championship. And if we don't point that out, if I don't talk about that, if I don't mention that, that I'm glazing over it, and that's going to be the, the one thing that could potentially come back and bite them in the butt. I don't want to see that happen. I don't know exactly what the solution is outside of keeping those three guys off the field. Maybe you do that, and maybe you don't have those major mistakes. I don't know, but I think it's something you know worth looking into. We'll finish up the hour with uh, some defense talk here when we come back, because we do want to get it in. We intended to. Uh, so we'll do that when we return. More Chiefs talk. We'll turn it over to some KU talk with a KU insider top of the hour. We'll also get to some Shocker and K-State hoops as well today. Stay with us here for Sports Daily. IHOP Hotline's open. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily. Um, Rick points out on our video stream that those guys can't play every snap, maybe in the playoffs, but Kelsey and Rice won't make it there if they have to play every down. They'll play every down, Rick. I I think it becomes whether they become the target on every down. I don't know. Um, But let's talk about the defense, Tommy. The defense yesterday, granted, against a really bad offense, and I do think that you know, we need to point that out to some degree. The Patriots are terrible offensively, and they don't have their best offensive player in Ramondre Stevenson right now. But still, 
for a team that's given up 14 nothing leads for like eternity, it feels like now, it was really good to see the Chiefs defense start strong, stay strong, and finish strong. And it was a reminder of why I've always been bullish on this team's chances in the postseason. Because historically in the NFL, we know that good defenses translate in any weather condition and that they typically, teams that win Super Bowls, have to be both good offensively and defensively. You know, teams that are one or the other don't typically make it through. If you go back and look, the Chiefs have a chance to be very good defensively, like as good as any team in football defensively, and then it becomes a how much offense do they need with that defense. If their defense is as good as it can be, Tommy, their offense doesn't have to be nearly as good as it's felt like they needed to be during that losing streak. Again, it's the Patriots, but if the defense plays up to its potential, then the offense doesn't have to do some of the things we've been worried about. Mahomes doesn't have to throw for 300 yards. They don't, you know, they can run the ball. They can make big plays when they need them. It's a totally different dynamic for this team, but the defense had been, you know, by its own standard struggling. It was good to see as much as anything else yesterday, that unit bounced back yesterday. Yeah. I mean, it was a really, really good defensive performance from Kansas city. Steve Spagnola, I think is the master at uh, drawing up when he's going to bring pressure and figuring out exactly when that time is going to happen. And, you know, they were all over Bailey Zappi. Now, keep in mind, it is Bailey Zappi. Um, but, man, they were bringing the pressure when it mattered the most. They turned him over. That pick that Willie Gay Jr. had was just, I mean, ju- he jumped the route and was right there. It wasn't a great throw. It wasn't a good route uh, by the Patriots. But Willie Gay was right there to pick the ball off. You know, so I thought that was great. Overall, it was a really good defensive performance. It was what we needed to see defensively after a couple of weeks where they really hadn't played up to their potential. Overall, they've got a defensive unit that, you know, assuming that they're going to be fairly healthy getting into the postseason, Nick Bolton, we think, you know, should be back and should be healthy to go, you know, for the postseason and all of that. I do think that they have a top five defensive unit in the NFL going into the postseason. That's going to be so important for them. Uh, Continue to try to overcome some of these issues they have. I think that the Chiefs can win a Super Bowl based on their defense. I really do. I still believe that. They had been shaky, but if they're playing their best defense and they're healthy, that can lead them to a Super Bowl, I think. We'll find out in the last three weeks. They'll they'll get a couple of decent offenses, one for sure in Cincinnati, but, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll get back to the NFL maybe a little later in the show when we come back. KU, nice little comeback win over Indiana over the weekend. We'll talk about that when we return on Sports Daily. All right, welcome back in, everybody, to Sports Daily. Glad to be here with you. Glad to welcome in Shreyas Lada to the program again here as KU gets a win over Indiana, 75-71, as we inch closer to a bowl game here. Uh, But that win was particularly impressive. It came on the road, and it came in a game, Shreyas, where KU was down. Uh, and, And really, like, Indiana was doing whatever they wanted to do in the first half. And all of a sudden you look up and KU gets a lead, holds a lead, maintains a lead. That's the kind of win, I think, that you can lean in on later in the year. What did you think about the game there in Bloomington? 
I mean, I think it was a great, ugly, gritty, nitty win in the sense of, you know, you want those type of wins to look back on, like you said. And, you know, they kind of got it out of a, a tough spot when it felt like they probably played pretty bad basketball, at least for Kansas' standards, for about a good 30 minutes of that game, you know. And to come out with a win there on a, in a tough environment on the road is a testament to Bill Self and his squad um, and just the experience of this overall team. Uh, I will say this, though. I think this Indiana team is not that good. And if they had any semblance of an offense, uh, instead of just hot three-point shooting against Kansas, they probably should have run away with that game. But, like I said, tough environment against a fellow Blue blood. Nothing to, uh, you know, look down upon and, uh, you know, testament to this Kansas squad. Yeah, sure is. Trey Galloway for the Hoosiers looked incredible. 28 points on 12 of 17 shooting from the field didn't have a ton of answers for him defensively but you know we've talked about it multiple times we've had you on the show and we've talked about Dewan Harris we've talked about his being the basketball his lack of aggressiveness he was more aggressive in the game especially in the second half on Saturday against the Hoosiers 12 points for him five of nine shooting and there were multiple times in the second half especially where I thought that he was the key reason that allowed the Jayhawks back into the game. What did you take away from his performance on Saturday? I came away really impressed because I felt like in his first half, I was saying, you know, he's got to take that shot. He's wide open. They're leading but yeah. open. You, you have those shots and make them, you know, kind of pay. And in, in the second half, it seemed like there was emphasis on him being aggressive with his shot, and it paid off. He made that nice three. He took another three that he just missed. Uh, I think – you know, you need that DeWan Harris, and I think that's what Bill Self said after the game. Like, that's the DeWan Harris, essentially, that we need. Uh, you know, that's DeWan Harris out there. And I, I agree, because this Kansas team looks a lot better when he's aggressive on the offense and because they don't have a ton of three-point shooting. So any way they can get it, especially open and quality looks like DeWan usually gets, uh, they should take. Because uh, they, they don't attempt a lot of threes. And I, I, we've talked about this. I think it's going to be an issue come March if they don't figure that out. And I think a way to alleviate some of that pressure on them to take a lot of threes or whatever is make the ones that they do take. Uh, and Dewan, you know, gives a, a couple chances for Kansas to get, you know, probably two or three threes a game where they're at least decent looks and you hope he makes one or two. All right, Shreyas, another thing that stood out to me in that game was that, and I know Hunter Dickinson ended with 17. It didn't feel like, though, to me anyway, that it was like a Dickinson game offensively and in games where it's not going to be a Dickinson game offensively I I do think it's good to see KU and McCullers always going to be awesome and and Harris was a big reason that you guys just talked about but how important is it let me rephrase that KU does find different ways to attack because at some point when you get into the Big 12 especially and teams feel like they can take one piece of this thin, I think is fair to call KU right now, team away, they're going to have to figure out other ways to get it done. And and so the more of that they can do now, I do think that ultimately helps them reach their potential as, you know, as a national champion ex- expectation. No, no, I, I completely agree. I've been impressed with Kansas' ability to kind of respond to Hunter Dickinson being shut off in two straight first halves. You know, and obviously Hunter Dickens has figured out in the second half and got his spots and had a good game. But it was the quietest, quietest, set, quietest 
17 and 14 game that I've ever seen in my life. And that tells you how good Hunter Dickinson is. And I think it's important that Kansas figures out how to score the ball without Hunter Dickinson being, uh, you know, on all the time, because like you said, it's going to get tougher in big 12 play. But also we saw with this team last year, right. When they would hyper teams would hyper focus on Grady, it put a ton of pressure on Jalen Wilson to score points. And eventually it just combusted because Grady was essentially shut down against Arkansas and Jalen had a rough game, and, you know, they were out in the second round. So Kansas figuring out how to play uh, alongside Hunter Dickinson when he's not having, you know, the elite offensive nights that he usually is capable of having, at least early on, I think is super, super important. And I think it tells you and makes the Kansas team seem less one-dimensional uh, rather than just relying on him and Kevin scoring. I mean, even Kevin didn't have a great shooting game. I think he was, what, like four of, you know, 15 or, you know, something like that. But he made a lot of free throws. He, you know, he, he got did what he needed to do. And Dewan pitched in twelve. KJ had fourteen. I think just having that uh, dearth of different people come in and help make up for Hunter being quiet, maybe in a half or during the game as a whole, is super super important. I mean, Jamari McDowell had that nice three. Uh, Kansas figuring out how to play when Hunter Dickinson is doubled or when he's pushed out of his spots. I think is one of the biggest keys to their long term success. Are you concerned, Shreyas, about the rebounding, especially as we get closer to conference play? They get out-rebounded by Indiana, but really more than that, outside of Hunter Dickinson's 14, that was basically it. I mean, they didn't really have anybody else. I guess Kevin McCuller had six, but really nobody else was super active on the boards. And, you know, K.J. Adams is a guy that, you know, is typically down there trying to get rebounds. He really didn't have very many. Are you concerned about the way this team rebounds outside of Hunter Dickinson? I definitely am. I think I wrote about the offensive rebounding rate, I think is the lowest ever in the Bill Self era uh, percentage-wise. Uh, and, you know, it goes alongside with my concerns about three-point attempt rate being so low. Those two things concern me a lot because I think you can have one or the other, but if you have both, I think that's a recipe for getting upset in March uh, if you're not careful and if your defense and, uh, you know, interior scoring is not on point. I think right now, I, the one thing I, I came away with this game was I like KJ being aggressive on the offensive boards. I think he had three or four of his four rebounds were all offensive. I think that was a big step for KJ. Uh, he definitely can be better on the defensive rebounding spectrum, I think, and getting a little more because, you know, like Bill's talked about it last year, he would just kind of, you know, box out these tough, biggest rebounder guys, uh, the best rebounder guys that he played against, uh, big men and let his teammates get it. But I don't think Kansas has the personnel uh, in their guards to go get rebounds. I'll mark on DeWan, don't get a ton of rebounds. Uh, so it really puts a lot of pressure on those three, and in particular, Connor, who's been leading the nation in rebounds per game. Uh, I think there is a real vulnerability there, and I think you know that keeps teams in the games. I mean, that's why Kansas can't really blow out anybody, it feels like, because between that and the lack of their three-point shooting ability or – you know, yeah, yeah, they have a good percentage, but they don't take a lot of threes. I think those two things keep games closer than they should be. But, it, you know, if you're going to keep them close, and clearly that's something Kansas is comfortable with, as we talk with Shreyas Lada, our KU insider, beat reporter for KU basketball and football for the KC Star, if you're going to keep them close, and, and I think that they are, you got to play good defense. Are we satisfied with where the defense is, is headed, 
Or, you know, do we need to see them ramp it up even another notch before we get into the meat of this thing? I think they've been really great defensively. I think they can be better, per se. But, I mean, honestly, their defense is probably as good as you could have hoped with all the guys you guys had coming in and the freshmen coming in and all that. Uh, you know, with only three returnees and really four, I guess, with Zach retroing this year. But it, it was overall, I feel like, you look at this Kansas defense and it's probably been a major strength and the reason why they've won these tough gritty nitty games like against Kentucky, against Indiana, um, you know, against Tennessee per se, you know, like those couple of games against UConn, you know, like the defense has stepped up in moments that matter and gotten stops and it's given Kansas a chance to win those games. And the offense has done just enough to win those games. I mean, the offense is not bad per se, but, I would say this team's strength is this defense. And I think Bill talked about it before the season, how good this chance this defense has this to be defensively. I mean, El Marco is arguably the weakest defender on the team, and he's a pretty, or weakest defender in the starting lineup, and he's a pretty damn good defender, especially for a freshman. Uh, and I think there's an opportunity for Kansas to get even better, uh, you know, on the defensive end. I think sometimes they can be a little better at rim protection at times. Uh, but overall, I think the defense for Kansas has kept them in games that they have no business being in, and it's given them some wins that I think they might not have necessarily had it, not for being so stout. Is there anything more that we should be expecting from the bench play from the Jayhawks? I mean, it really has been basically non-existent, and we know that rotation is incredibly tight that Bill Self has. It kind of seems like he's already coaching in March with the rotation that he's putting out uh, on the court because there's really not a whole lot of minutes coming from guys off the bench, whether it's Parker Brown or Johnny Furphy, or I know Jamari McDowell had that big three, but is there anything else that you think that we should be expecting from the bench? Or is this basically as good as it's going to get this season? I don't know about expectation, but there should be a hope that Jamari and Furphy can be a little more seasoned and experienced with all the, you know, the times they do come to the game and they could give them some games where they come out and help them win. Like Jamari's three was huge in Kansas's comeback bid. But I mean, the eventually the whole, I think had seven points. I think that's going to be an issue all year for Kansas where it's not going to be consistent bench scoring. There might be a, a few games where the bench goes off or helps them win a game or whatever. But until Nick Timberlake figures out, if he ever figures it out, you know, because we're getting to the conference play, you know, I, I don't think this Kansas bench is going to be a strength. I think Johnny and Jamari have the potential to be really good players, and they have the potential to be really good bench players. I just don't know if it's going to happen this year. And, you know, Jamari and Johnny should be guys who could be two, three, four-year guys at Kansas and have, you know, some nice, nice stats and, you know, develop nicely. But I don't know if it's too much to expect of them to be key bench players right away as freshmen. I just think the consistency is tough to ask of any freshman to come off the bench and give you consistent points or consistent minutes or whatever and not make defensive uh, issues. So this is where you hope, if you're a Kansas fan, that Nick Timberlake figures it out because he helps alleviate Kansas, one of the Kansas' biggest issues, and it also makes Kansas so much less one-dimensional when you have a guy that they can count on to give you like 10 points off the game or eight points off the game of the bench. So this time next week, Shreyas, we're going to be talking what would be one day away, I guess, at that point from the guaranteed rate bowl. Bowl games are always interesting as we talk a little football here because you never know 
how motivated a team is, who's, you know, it's hard enough to keep up with who's playing, who's transferring. Where do you think this, what do you, let me, let me make this simple. How much does the guaranteed rate bowl mean to this team this year? I think it means a lot because last year, the way they lost to Arkansas in triple overtime in the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, really left a, a sour taste to a lot of these Kansas Jayhawks players' mouth. You know, I mean, Devin Neal and Kobe Bryant, all these guys have talked about, you know, just how much it means to get the chance to go to another bowl game and, uh, you know, get the opportunity to really kind of redemption, you know. And, and I think it's not lost on, on Kansas that winning nine wins doesn't happen a lot, period. I think it'd be the sixth time in team history, you know, if they get nine wins. So that's extra motivation. And, I mean, they're favored. They're favored by 11 to 13 points. They should win this game as long as they don't play lackadaisical or, you know, there's no key injuries or whatever. But it's one of those things where they know the next step as a program for them was winning a bowl game. So it doesn't matter who their opponent is. It doesn't matter the location. I think ultimately for them it's just let's get redemption for last year and let's let the seniors who, you know, had a tough time, you know, as juniors last year uh, leave with a nice feeling. You know, like guys like Rich Miller, who talked about how he's never lost any one of his games growing up where he was like doing the last of whether it was PB football or high school football or whatever. He's like, I'm not going to start now. Uh, so I think that attitude has kind of been there throughout the rest of the team where they want redemption. And I think, you know, it doesn't matter what the perception of what Kansas fans think of how good the guaranteed rate ball is or UNLV is. This Kansas team is not taking UNLV lightly and they're not taking the game lightly. Yeah, we won't uh, we won't have you next week since it's Christmas. But so if we jump into talking a little bit about the game itself, you know, I know that there's that storyline of wanting to avenge their bowl game loss a year ago and wanting to, you know, send off the seniors in a really good way. But how much of this game do you think that Lance Leipold and his staff can begin to evaluate some players that could become big time playmakers next season for the Jayhawks? I definitely think you can have uh, some guys like Kenton Kubeka, maybe even a guy like offensive lineman uh, Calvin Clements. He's played a backup role for most of the year. You know, guys who have played snaps but not necessarily played in a ton of games or any games at all, um, but have impressed. I think those guys can be looked at. Uh, maybe you see if Kansas gets out to an early lead and, you know, kind of blows, blows them out. Maybe you see some Cole Ballard minutes, you know. Like, I think those things are 100% there. Uh, and an opportunity to evaluate how the playmaking of uh, Jim looks with the loss of Andy to Penn State uh, as the offense coordinator. I'm curious how that looks. I think that's going to be really interesting. And I'm really excited to see uh, how him and Jeff Grimes run the offense and how different or similar it is to what they were doing before. I think it's going to be pretty similar with some exceptions of using some more screens. And, you know, I, I, I'm – Excited to see the next iteration of what Kansas football looks like with a new offensive coordinator at helm. I don't think it's an opportunity to just evaluate players, but it's an opportunity to see what you have in two really talented football minds when they're elevated to a position like this. All right, Shreyas, predictions. What do you think? KU, pretty heavy favorite against UNLV. Uh, they going to get it done out there? I think so. I think they'll probably win like 35, uh, like 23. I feel like that's usually my like, 
prediction record. I, I have to double check if they can get 23, but uh, 20, let's say 35, 24. That's the, that's the, uh, my prediction. All right. Trius, anything special you guys have coming up in your coverage plan ahead of that for KU over the next week over at the KC star? Uh, nothing too crazy. I I'll have a lot of bowl stuff, uh, you know, as the days get closer, I'm hoping to do have a, a feature later this week. And, uh, some more stuff related to Kansas athletics as a whole, but it should be a fun week and excited to get down to Phoenix on uh, Friday. All right. You can follow along with Shreyas on Twitter or on X, I should say, S-H-R-E-9-8. You can find his work at the KC Star. Safe travels. Uh, we'll talk to you again in the aftermath as we don't have a show on Christmas Day. Merry Christmas and, uh, well, I guess have a happy new year by the time we talk to you again. You guys as well. Thanks for having me. Merry Christmas and uh, a pleasure as always. All right. There goes Shreya Salata. Uh, you can react to that. You can go back and listen if you're joining us late for free as always on kfhradio.com. Uh, let's give something away on the way out. We'll come back. We'll talk a little Shockers and K-State hoops as well. Uh, and then maybe back to the Chiefs just a little bit. Uh, but we'll do uh, – let's do the Turnpike Troubadours here. And we'll go – a pair of tickets. They're coming in to town to Interest Bank Arena with Trampled by Turtles, the Red Clay Strays. It'll be a great show. And you can get a pair of tickets on us. It's May 3rd. IHOP Hotline right now. Jad will get us winner 869-1240. Good luck, everyone. We'll come back. More Sports Daily right after this. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here on KFH. Jake Balbrock, Tommy Caster. Our thanks to Shreya Slada for jumping in to talk a little KU hoops. We'll talk Shocker and K-State hoops here in just a second, Tommy. Just sort of breaking in, though. Will Howard looks like he's headed to USC to continue his college football career. Uh, I don't know that I could have hand-picked or cherry-picked a better potential landing spot for Will Howard than USC. I think it's perfect for him on to go play for, you know... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Say what you will about Lincoln Riley as a head coach. I I think with Baker Mayfield and Jalen Hurts and what we're going to see out of Caleb Williams, dude is getting guys to the league, and it's a perfect fit if you're Will Howard and what you're trying to do. Yeah, I really think it is. And, you know, this is a great opportunity, I think, for Will Howard to go to a program. I mean, keep in mind, USC is headed to the Big Ten next year. And so you're going to be on major, major national uh, platforms. And you were going to have had that anyway with USC and the Pac-12. But even bigger with the Big Ten this next season. So we've talked about it multiple times this season about how Will Howard is kind of one of those guys that you could see potentially making his way to the NFL, but having that platform at a place like USC, I think is going to, it's either going to make or break his opportunity to make it to the next level. If he has a good season next year and he's, you know, in the national spotlight, he helps lead USC to a top 25 ranking competing in the big 10 West potentially going to a major, uh, you know, uh, major postseason run with them in the playoff. All of that, I think, is on the table with Will Howard going to a place like USC. And then Lincoln Riley, he's got to find a, a really solid quarterback to replace Caleb Williams. It was kind of a disappointing year for USC this season. You know, if, if I've not been able to find any kind of official confirmation that this is actually happening. It's the big, big time speculation that it that it is. Uh, but if it does end up happening, I mean, that's a big time win, I think, for Lincoln Riley. Yeah, let, we're, we're assuming the report comes from Blue Bloods Bias. Uh, look, there, the, the transfer portal is wild to try and cover. So I, I, I suppose let's not speak this effect. But here's here's what's interesting. Um, they last week at the end of the week, we saw that Malachi Nelson, who was that, you know, like the top player in the class who had gone to USC transferring out and it raised a lot of alarms among fans. My guess is, Tommy, that there was word of Will Howard like coming in. And this is just this is speculation. So let me put that out there. If you're Malachi Nelson, you're not going to sit for two years, right? You're not going to do that. Not not in today's world. That wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. And so I, I think it says two things. One, there's immense amount of pressure on Lincoln Riley. And and you called it sort of a disappointment. I, I think it was a it just an unbelievably disappointing year for USC this yeah. year. So I think there's a lot of pressure on him. If he has another year like that, he's probably gone. Like if if he has the same year this year he had last year, I think he's out. And so are you really going to, you know, if you're Lincoln Riley and you know that, would you rather have Will Howard for this make or break season or, you know, a, a player and a, and, a, and a freshman or a sophomore, whatever he's technically classified as, who's never played before? I mean, you couldn't do it with Caleb Williams. So I, I think it all makes some sense, which is, again, great for the opportunity for Will Howard. 
But I think this is as much of a Lincoln Riley, a little bit desperate play as it is anything else. And I think it's probably why we saw Malachi Nelson transfer out, which didn't make sense at the time because it was like, dude, you're getting the keys to the kingdom. But maybe he's not because Will Howard's coming in there. Yeah, on top of that, too, the other thing, and I don't want this to seem like it's a knock on Will Howard because Will Howard has played some really good football both this past season and really the year before for the Wildcats. But there were some bigger named quarterbacks in the portal outside of Will Howard. And I think it tells you kind of where the USC program is right now under Lincoln Riley that I can't imagine, again, not a knock on Will Howard, but I can't imagine that Will Howard is their number one choice in the transfer oh, portal. No, really, I, I, I can imagine know. like he would be on a wish list, but I'm not sure he would be at the very top of a wish list. He might be like the second or third choice, but I don't know if he's, hmm. I mean, like think of the big time names at the quarterback position that are in the transfer portal right now. And I think it tells you kind of where that USC program is overall. It could very well be a match made in heaven for Lincoln Riley and, and Will Howard. It can help USC turn things around this coming season, help potentially save Lincoln Riley's job, as you mentioned. And it could also catapult Will Howard into the conversation of being a viable NFL quarterback. So I do think it fits in all of those different ways. I'm just not 100% sure that he's the most desirable quarterback on the market for USC, but he's probably the most realistic one they're going to get. Okay, so I'm looking at on three who covers the portal. Uh, They had Dylan Gabriel as their top guy, and he's going to Oregon, and they had Riley Leonard from Duke uh, going to Notre Dame. So their third, their next best available is Will Howard, and I and I agree with it. By the way, and I'm not sure that I would. You don't take think Lincoln Howard. Riley wanted Dylan Gabriel or Riley Leonard to come to? I don't know. I I don't. You know, I'm not sure, and they. I, I'm not sure that. Honestly, like for me, based on a totality of work for the last two years, I I don't know that it's definitive to take either one of those guys over Will Howard. You know what I mean? Like, I I think when you look at the total, and they rank he and Leonard the same with Gabriel, a slight upgrade. But I don't know how much, like, is is it really definitive that that those guys are better? I know it's not that Riley Leonard's better than Will Howard, but maybe Dylan Gabriel, possibly. Um, So, okay, maybe. But again, like, I think he is as desirable as any. I, so I, I, th- I guess my point is I think it's close. And and I I could totally. I mean, look, we heard Will Howard to USC rumors instantly when we saw that he was into the portal. I do think, I think it's it a makes sense. Fit. I think it's a right thing. I mean, I, I, I totally do. I, I, I'm not th- suggesting I, I think that it's a USC bad USC maybe got their guy. I mean, I think that there's totally maybe a world so. where Lincoln maybe Riley so. identified Will Howard based on a lot of things, right? Like, I, I mean, I think it's not outrageous – Again, and you've got to think of the good Howard here. And we've seen, we saw just a very, very, very brief moment of, you know, Howard of very early in his K-State career for just a brief period this year. But it was a brief period, and otherwise he was good. And he can run, and, and he clearly can throw. So I think it is a very natural fit. I'm excited for him. Uh, he's going to cash out there. There's no question. Um, it, it's good. I love it. I think it's awesome because I do root for Lincoln Riley. I I don't know how people around here generally feel about Lincoln Riley. Obviously, the state of Oklahoma doesn't like him, but I like Lincoln Riley grew up and was a legend in a town very close to where I grew up, small town. And so, like, I've always rooted for Lincoln Riley. I think he's good. You know, I suppose it becomes a little bit of the question of, 
you know, is does is there Cliff Kingsbury here where he's a really good offensive coach that can do this that maybe because, you know, he couldn't get over the hump quite at Oklahoma. I think it's way too early to say that. I think he'll be okay. I think winning at USC has never been harder, uh, you know, in the history of that storied program than it is now. So we'll see. Good fit. It makes sense now why we saw Malachi Nelson out, who becomes a really interesting transfer, by the way, to go somewhere. Of course, he'll probably want playing time as a prerequisite for wherever he goes, obviously, or he would have just stayed at USC another year. Uh, but uh, interesting news there. Uh, glad you pointed that out during the break there, Tommy. All right, let's talk a little hoops here. Let's start. Let's let we'll jump back to K-State in a minute. Let's let's start with the Shockers. So Ronnie DeGray is a Shocker now. It, it that that was all a, a wild roller coaster ride uh, to get to the point of of him making his debut in what, you know, Taylor Eldridge at least is reporting what will what will stick this year. Um, it was very much up in the air. I told you, it was it Thursday or the last day I was here, to caution yourselves. And then Friday we get news from the NCAA that they, in fact, could be potentially, you know, in trouble with eligibility. And then Saturday or Friday night, I guess, it's like, okay, well, he'll be okay and he'll actually burn the full year of eligibility uh, which means, one, they need him, and two, good move by him, you know, as far as being a team player to get out there and help him now and lose half his season. But um, DeGray's there. He comes up big on a final play uh, defensively to help them. Uh, we'll see. I, I assume he'll slowly acclimate into things. It it basically extends it to an eight-man rotation instead of the seven that we've seen, uh, but clearly going to long-term be a boost for the Shockers. They get a win over Southern Illinois. Uh, you'd certainly like to see a bigger win over Southern Illinois, but you'll take it. A game where the bigs did not score again, Tommy, in Poto and Ballard, uh, but it was enough to get the win, and hopefully DeGray is a shot in the arm ahead of conference play, and we'll see what he provides. I I, I don't know what to expect, but we, we at least know we can get some high energy and effort because we saw that yesterday. Yeah, and I think it does provide some much-needed depth for this program, too. You know, having another guy that... You know, whether or not DeGray is going to start, I don't know the answer to that, but at least having him come off the bench, he played 19 minutes of action, had the key block, the key play at the end of the game to preserve the victory. But it's becoming more and more clear with every single game that between Colby Rogers and Xavier Bell, I mean, both of those guys are absolutely needed offensively. And it's not a, it's not a one or the other. It's a both. You got to have both of them guys you know I think be effective on the offensive side of the court especially considering that we were starting to see a trend emerge where Kenny Poto Quincy Ballard that they're it's not quite there for them offensively right and that's been the way that things have kind of trended the last week or two I don't know if that's something that stays and continues or if we're looking at a temporary type situation but as of now, when you have the bigs and the offense not rolling through the bigs and it's not effective, you've got to have both Rodgers and Bell shoot the ball well. If one of them doesn't and you're not getting offense from the bigs, that's a recipe for disaster for Wichita State. I think, And I haven't listened to Paul Mills' postgame, full disclosure. I, I think the better answer is you got to get something out of the bigs, Mo- most notably Poto. I-, I don't know how much offense Ballard's ever going to provide, but Poto... They need the offense out of Poto pretty pretty clearly. Um, you know, a game where you, you you win the rebounding battle, albeit price slider than what you'd hope for, that you don't turn the ball over much at all. You just, it needs to be more than a one-point win over Southern Illinois, I guess. And, and to you know, 
Poto being dominant offensively is where you get to that point. We'll see. Again, like the DeGray factor is interesting because if he provides them offense and then it's more, you know, then it's we're probably having a little bit different of a conversation, but it, it, it's got to come from somewhere, and Poto just makes the most sense. Uh, Harlan Beverly, who we had on the show last week, did not have a great offensive game. He didn't turn the ball over, though, which I thought was really nice. Um, I think he rolled his ankle had, at one point in the game too. And, yeah, and he, was out he put for a in bit. 35 minutes, but he, he, but yeah, I, I get yeah, it was a little it was, but it'll be easier, I guess, to. I mean, we just, we all know what it is, and and Beverly told like you just get easier buckets down down there, right? And so they they kind of need that, and it would it would open things up. I love what we're seeing out of Xavier Bell. Like what what a what an awesome and cool revelation for him. And I don't know if he would have been thrust into this sort of role if the if the Shockers came in completely healthy and eligible. I guess is the better word, but. It has been so much fun to watch the local product blossom the way that he has this year, and he's absolutely stepped up to it. I think Rodgers, I, I think they have a chance to be pretty steady there, but I, I think the whole offense operates a little easier if they can get things just loosened up a little bit for the bigs. I don't know why that's not happening. Um, we'll see. Plenty of time to go. Uh, two big ones coming up for them with K-State and KU. Speaking of K-State, I was not like watching actively that game, Tommy, on an NFL Sunday. I I don't know what on earth happened in that second half. K State was up three at halftime and then scored twelve second half points. They didn't seem particularly, you know, it wasn't like there weren't there wasn't anything coming out of the post game. I think that was like alarming. But here's the issue with what's going on at K-State, bigger picture. And and I know there was a lot of chatter and noise after our interview with Fitz last week. Every time now anything happens, the conversation's going to go back there. And that sucks. Like, that sucks big time. Oh, is this team, like, are they mad? Are they not motivated? Where's where's Jerome Tank? And, and probably the reality is that none of that is a problem for this team in this season, and they can very easily tunnel vision all of that other stuff. But any time now they face adversity, it's going to jump to the forefront. And that's that sucks, and that's why if, it's just so frustrating that this entire situation has played out the way it has. I did watch some of the game, and I do think that what is concerning is that there was a clear lack of engagement I think might be the word they kind of looked like they were sleepwalking out there uh, especially in the second half 12 points for them in the second half is not going to get it done they got out rebounded by 20 uh, in the game Uh, I do think that it's not as simple as just tunnel vision and block out all the noise I don't think it's that simple I mean we're talking about 18 to 22 year olds that are on social media and they hear all of this and they hear the chatter and the noise. You know, one of the things and in, in, in a normal setting, nobody would have even noticed this. But because of everything that's been going on, there was a lot of discussion about the fact that Kansas State didn't welcome the crowd on behalf of the university president. Right. They do that every game. They didn't do that yesterday. Yeah. And that's not yeah. something that would ever be talked about as a big deal. It's well, a big deal right now. It, it, it is 
let let me ask you this, and this goes back to, and again, I'm I always want to like this is speculative here. Who do you think made that? After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Decision. I couldn't tell you. Probably the who president. Did, who Who do you think didn't want to get booed? Tommy? Probably the president would be my guess. Yeah. So, yeah. so again, I like... That's not I'm just something saying like the, it's not as simple to block I, I, out all the external I, noise. I, I and, know and that's what can, I'm saying is you can is uh, unfortunate. If, if you're Jerome Tang, you can sit there or even one of the team members, you know, sit there and give interviews and say, it doesn't bother us. We're focused on the game. You can say all of that. It's it's not that easy to block well, from out. What I gather, all they just said issues. we got our butts kicked. They, they were like, yeah. we just got our butts kicked. Yeah, and it wasn't. And, and Tang even spoke to, he was like, this wasn't an effort thing. This was like, they just kicked our butts. And I think that that's probably the most likely. But again, what really sucks is that we have to pay attention to the fact that the president's name yep. wasn't mentioned so that he doesn't get booed. Like all of this right. stuff. We all know distractions aren't a good thing and it's a distraction. And here's the other thing to keep in mind. And I know we'll be talking about it quite a bit more as the week goes on. Thursday night. You've got Wichita State and Kansas State. Man, if you if you got that kind of effort from the Wildcats over the weekend against Nebraska, if you follow that up against Wichita State, Shockers will win this game. Such a tragic mistake on Linton's part in miscalculation again. Like, that entire experience should be about these two programs. It should be about the reuniting of uh, Tang and Mills, the old Baylor assistants. And right now, it's hard to think about anything except, is Tang going to leave us? Like, that's what sucks for K-State fans and why it's such a miscalculation unnecessarily from from the administration on the Naquan Tomlin situation. It just didn't need to play itself out that way except people got their dang feelings hurt. Like, can, like put on your big boy pants and handle this, you know, professionally. And now, because now it's impacting not just that team, but your fan base and... You've got to take yourself out of the announcements so you don't get booed. Oh, my God. Okay. All right, let's come back. Let's talk a little bit more football. Unbelievable situation there. I, I just can't. It makes me sick. 869-1240 is the number to call. We'll come back. Uh, we can go back to the Chiefs. Look elsewhere around the NFL as a lot of it pertains to the Chiefs. <clears throat> Buffalo. We'll be right back.
Primetime NFL games from Westwood One, available live for free tonight on the Odyssey app. Tune in right here on KFH for Monday Night Football. Eagles, Seahawks, simply download the Odyssey app. Search for KFH at kickoff if you're not by your radio. Uh, Let's do our final giveaway today. Let's give away some HTO coffee. Uh, Iced hot, however you like it. Coffee, espresso, it's all there for you. Some specialty drinks. You can get them at the HTO in Wichita at the East location or at the Derby location of HTO. We'll give away two free brew house coffee drinks to our first caller right now to the IHOP hotline, 869-1240, as Tommy and I uh, continue the discussion here on Reaction Monday. Other NFL things to react to. I think, you know, two that stand out to me, Tommy, most notably – uh, you know, Baltimore impressive again, certainly looking like things are going to run through Baltimore in the AFC. And by the way, here comes Buffalo, who it just stomps Dallas in an interesting way because Dallas came in with one of the top run defenses in football. Buffalo put up 31 points. Josh Allen didn't even throw for 100 yards. Uh, it was a very strange outcome there. And and I suppose we need to mention Cincinnati. I don't know they didn't play Sunday, but Cincinnati plays Saturday and gets another uh, another key victory over the Vikings. So here we look at it. Cincinnati is in as it stands. Buffalo continues to knock on the door. We're getting that scenario where those two teams are in and the road goes through Baltimore. That's a that's a doomsday if you're the Chiefs to have those three in it and and to have to go on the road. Are you a believer in Baltimore yet? Are you a believer in Miami yet? I mean, both of those teams. Um, more, more Baltimore and Miami, to be fair to Miami, they didn't have Tyree kill. That was impressive. But again, like 30 to nothing without Tyree kill. Yep. I I know. I, I, I cannot wait for them to play some good teams again. Uh, play Dallas, (sighs) play Baltimore, play Buffalo. I'll believe in Miami appropriately when I see what they do in those three games, but yeah, they're fine. They're winning games on a scale of one beating bad teams. As of right now, where do you land on your belief in Miami? somewhere between uh, certainly below Baltimore and certainly below Kansas city right now, because Kansas city beat Miami. Uh, and then probably I would, I would consider them as dangerous. Maybe, maybe above. Cause I'm going to call Buffalo. I'm going to call Buffalo the scariest team outside of Baltimore. They are dangerous right now. They look yeah. great. And, and after that, I would probably say, well, and, and I'm talking about it from a chief's perspective here. Sorry. So from a Chiefs perspective, Baltimore sits at the top of the danger list. Then I'd probably say Buffalo after that. And then I guess it would be, yeah, Miami at that point. I think Miami is a tier ahead of, you know, Jacksonville, Cleveland, Cincinnati. So if I had to tier it out right now, I'd tier it Baltimore at the top. And then I'd probably put Kansas City, Miami, and Buffalo all in a, in a you know, a secondary tier. And then everybody else in a... Still dangerous, but not quite as scary tier. But I think if it works out where you've got basically right now Buffalo replacing Indianapolis and it's Jacksonville, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Buffalo, I mean, every team in the AFC at that point becomes dangerous. Every single one of them. That's depending on Trevor. Trevor Lawrence clearly is hobbled right now for Jacksonville, but you know he should be clear of that injury by then. But they're all dangerous. Yeah, but I'd the say only Baltimore, thing, Baltimore on top, and then and the then that yeah. next group. The only bad thing about Buffalo is that they don't control their own destiny. They need some help. They got to yeah. win that division. You know, they got to beat yep. Miami on the final week of, of the of the regular season. Um, so that's the only bad thing about Buffalo. But they're extremely dangerous. I think Baltimore is solidifying themselves as 
the class of the conference. I think that the number one seed will more than likely run through Baltimore. And, you know, I know that Trevor Lawrence got banged up and had a concussion and all of that. But even prior to that injury, he didn't look great. And Jacksonville didn't look great. They had opportunities. They were inside the red zone multiple times, couldn't score. Uh, You know, Lawrence dropped the ball at one point. I thought Baltimore solidified themselves as the top team in the conference. They are. They're going to be at home, too, which matters, I think, when everything is this close. And they can win in bad weather. I I think they're equipped to do that just fine, Um, which is if you're Miami is a concern, right? If you're Miami, you'd love to play every game at home. And Miami and Baltimore play, right? They they play each other. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, they play each other. So, you know, Miami can take care of that themselves. They sort of control it a little bit, and they get that game. You know that that becomes pretty important. But if you by the look, way, did uh, did Dak play himself out of the MVP race yesterday? Do you think? Um, we'll see how he finishes. I think he can play himself right back into it. Uh, but but I think Christian McCaffrey became a candidate, and I think Brock Purdy, as much as he wants to give it to McCaffrey, is still very much a candidate. Jalen Hurts, who's sick, we'll see what he does tonight. I think but Lamar it, you know, solidified a, a case as well. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I, I, his numbers, you know, it'll be, they'll have to like win out because I don't think his numbers are going to be there, but it becomes, you know, a lot of the times the MVP becomes the best player on the best team of the regular season. So when we look at this group of teams, the, the crazy thing is like, they're all equipped to win on the road. That's, that's the other wild part about the AFC. Like even Miami, who who is typically like, oh, Miami can't travel. Think about how they win games, right? They can run the ball when they need to. It's not your, you know, it's not the same old Miami. So we'll see. They'll get some chances to prove it. Their next three are brutal. That's a brutal stretch of games, whereas some teams have a soft schedule at the end. I, it, I'm t- the AFC, if Buffalo is the last team in and they replace Indianapolis slash Houston, it is anybody's bet at who comes out of the AFC. They could all come out. Wild stuff in the AFC. Meanwhile, San Francisco is better than everybody, I think. 869-1240, IOP Hotline. We'll be back. We'll wrap it up after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.